you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Hi, and welcome to the broadcast. This is Pastor Jeff Shreve. My wife, Debbie, and I are filling in for Will and Miki this week, and we are excited to be with you. I am the pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries. From His Heart is heard every weeknight at 6 p.m. Central Time on American Family Radio. Now, Debbie and I have been married for 35 years. We have three wonderful daughters and three grandchildren and three great sons-in-law, and God has blessed our family, and we are very, very grateful. Well, today we want to talk to you and introduce a a subject that we're going to talk about all week, and the subject is, what do you do with negative emotions? That's a great question, isn't it? Because we all have them. Everybody has them. We have things like worry that we're going to talk about today. We have guilt. We have discouragement, uh, discouragement, depression, anger. Those are things that can really cause problems in our own hearts and in our marriages and in our families in in interpersonal relationships. So we're going to talk about what's the message in that negative emotion. Now, years, some years ago, I wrote a book called Runaway Emotions, Why You Feel the Way You Do and What God Wants You to Do About It. Uh, So much of the time, we don't understand the negative emotions. God has a message in those emotions, and uh, he's trying to communicate with us, hey, something is wrong emotionally, and that's why you're feeling this way. And uh, when I wrote that book, on the cover of the book, Runaway Emotions, I have a smoke alarm. And uh, Debbie, tell about our smoke alarm story. Oh, goodness. This is such a funny story. Two of our kids, the younger two, were home from college, and they were sitting in our kitchen kind of breakfast area. And they were just talking, having the best time catching up with each other. And I was back in the back of the house doing some work. And all of a sudden, our fire alarm in the house went off. And I looked out the door from where I was working and I actually saw smoke. I was like, oh my my goodness. I mean, we actually have a fire. Something is horribly, horribly wrong. So as I start to walk to where the smoke was and I hear the girls talking in the next room, and this is what they were saying oh my gosh, that is the most annoying sound. I wish that fire alarm would just go off. I mean, it would just turn off. It's just awful. And um, the funny thing was, I was like, girls, there's actually a fire. It's on for a reason to protect us. We better be glad that that fire alarm went off because we actually did have a fire that started from a candle sitting on the counter in our bathroom. And uh, sure enough, it actually, we caught it in time and didn't do horrible damage. But the point was they were so lackadaisical about it, you know, just just ignoring it completely like, oh, this is no big deal. It was a big deal. Well, and they wanted to silence the alarm. Right. Not solve the problem. Right. Just silence the alarm. So here's the premise of the idea with negative emotions. Negative emotions are like that smoke alarm slash fire alarm in your house. 
uh, it's designed, a smoke alarm tells you, hey, there's a problem somewhere in the house. The problem is not with the alarm. The, the, when the alarm goes off, that doesn't mean, hey, I need to get a hammer and break that thing so it stops blaring. It's blaring for a reason. It's telling you, hey, there is smoke coming somewhere to my sensor and you need to go figure out where the fire is. And when you put out the fire, then the alarm will stop blaring. So negative emotions are like that. They, they indicate, hey, something is wrong inside and uh, you need to find what the source is. So you're not just dealing with the symptom, but you're dealing with the source. Now, when it comes to the issue of worry, worry is a negative emotion. Worry is a horrible emotion. And we've all experienced it. You're worried about some uh, pending disaster, you know, whether small or large, but something that you feel like is is just right around the corner for you. I remember when I was in uh, college, you know, worrying about a final exam or worrying about this paper that's due. It's it's something that's in the future that's pending, that's got you tied up in knots. And isn't that interesting because we don't worry about things in the past? No. It, past events, been there, done that, that's over. We've put that away in a box, but it's it's never past events that we're actually worried about. It's it's always those future events right. that we have to worry about. And um, in your book, you have a great definition of worry. In fact, can I just say, as I was reading through, again, your chapter this morning, I thought to myself, I forgot how good this book was. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, I love this definition of worry. It says this, the tension and distress experienced over anticipated loss, whether real or imagined, of some valued possession. And that valued possession could be a person, it could be a job, it could be your health, it could be finances, it could be your marriage, some future thing that's going to take place. But it it all has to do with the fact that it's it's um, anticipated. It's not, it hasn't happened. Right. It's, it's in anticipated. The right. And it doesn't have to be, it's whether real or imagined. It right. doesn't have to be a real thing. How many of us have awakened in the middle of the night? We've heard a noise and our mind You're begins notorious to about that. Yeah, I'm bad at that. You're real bad. Your mind can start racing and you can start hearing and thinking to yourself, I think Freddy Krueger's outside my door. It's the, uh, the guy from Friday the 13th. I mean, it's just, I'm getting ready to be um, murdered and, and it's going to be horrible. And we just... Those things aren't, they're not true and it's not going to happen, but our minds can cause us to think that and the, the stress level rises. Oh, I saw a meme the other day on um, someone's site. I don't remember where I saw it, but it says, the meme said this, it says, I've got 99 problems and 86 of them are completely made up scenarios in my head that I'm stressing about for absolutely no reason. And that is so true because when we get caught up in that worry, um, the bulk of anything we're worried about rarely ever comes to fruition. Right. It's, it truly is just a wasted um, emotional outburst, I guess. So here's an interesting uh, tidbit. So the word worry comes from an old Anglo-Saxon word uh, that is wirgen, W-Y-R-G-A-N. And that word weirgen means to strangle. Now, weirgen is what happens when a dog gets hold of a shoe. You know, you've seen that before. You give a, an old shoe to a dog or a, a little dog toy, stuffed animal type thing, and they 
grab it in their teeth and they go back and forth with it. They shake it violently from one side to the other. And if you try and pull it from your dog's mouth, he'll, he'll b- begin pulling all the harder and he'll growl, he'll jerk his head. Uh, he thinks it's a fun game. But see, that's a vivid picture of worry. Because worry grabs you in its jaws, so to speak, and starts to thrash you about from side to side, and it doesn't seem to let go. And it just feels like on the inside, you're being uh, tortured and pulled. And that's exactly what Jesus told Martha. Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. You're pulled in so many different directions. Now, the Bible is very clear. We are not supposed to worry. We're supposed to trust God. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he tells us this, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and riches. And then he goes on to tell us about the cure for anxiety. For this reason, I say to you, Do not be anxious. Do not worry for your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for your body as to what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Birds don't worry. They work, but they don't worry. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single cubit to his lifespan. Worry never solved a problem. Worry never dried a tear. And why are you anxious? Why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory did not clothe himself like one of these. But if God so arrays the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow thrown into the furnace, will he not much more do so for you, O men of little faith? Worry is a faith issue. Do not be anxious then. Do not worry then saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or with what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow. Tomorrow, Do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Isn't that the truth? Well, that uh, that tells us in that passage, it gives us great insight into the subject of worry and anxiety, that, that thing that eats away at us. Somebody described it this way, worry is a thin stream of fear that courses through our mind and it steals our peace and it steals our joy and it steals our sense of well-being. Wouldn't you say, Jeff, that it's uh, some people just by their God-given temperament struggle more with worry than others? Yes. They just have a, a natural propensity towards worry. Doesn't condone it, doesn't make it right, but just within their person, they struggle with worry. Right. And my mom was one of those. My mom was someone, if she didn't have something to worry about, she worried about that. <laughs> she worried about the fact she didn't have something to worry about. And, and to some extent, I, I can remember her kind of having the feeling that if she would worry about it, it would it would help her be prepared for when that thing happened. So when and if that thing she was worried about took place, she would feel more in control of it maybe if she had kind of worried about it some. And um, I was just thinking about the two of us. Who would you say out of the two of us uh, 
worries more, has more of a propensity towards worry. I think my natural temperament causes me to default toward worry. Tim LaHaye said one time, uh, he has noticed in people, or he did, he's in heaven now, but he said, people either tend toward worry and fear, or they tend toward anger. And when they get it, put it, you put them in a, in a vice grip, so to speak, uh, they're either going to fear or they're going to get mad. Right. Well, you know, the Bible tells us pretty explicitly in Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything. You know, so it's not just, okay, this is an okay thing to worry about. In God's vision, if you're worried about this, okay, well, that's okay to worry about that. No, no, no. The Bible tells us don't worry about anything. And uh, that seems like a pretty impossible task, right, in and of ourselves to not worry about anything. Um, so what would your answer to that be? If someone was saying, man, worry about not worry about anything, how on earth do I get to a point where I don't worry about anything? Well, you cannot worry about anything when you learn to trust God for everything. Oh, I like that. Now, <laughs> That's good. Now, remember this. So we're made in the image of God. And so when we are completely right with God, everything is working the way it should be. Just like when your body is completely healthy, everything is working as it was intended by God to work. Um, emotionally, in our emotional makeup, when we start having these negative emotions, that's the smoke alarm that goes off. Where's the fire? The fire with the issue of worry is this. Your God-given sense of security is on fire. See, we, we're, a, we're worried because we feel like our security, our, we, we anticipate a loss in something that we have, in, in something that is ours, our children, our grandchildren, our, our stuff. You know, we don't worry about other people's stuff. We don't worry about our neighbor's new car getting dinged in the parking lot, but we worry about our new car getting dinged in the parking lot because it's ours. So it's a, a sense of security. I'm secure in my things. And when that sense of security is on fire, that's when you worry. So that's the fire that you need to put out. It's like, okay, why am I worried? Okay, I'm worried about these things because I sense that this security is, is uh, in jeopardy. So I just need to learn to trust God with the things that he has given me. I am not owner of anything. I'm manager of all the things that God gives me. And a manager doesn't worry about the owner's things. He takes care of the owner's things, but he doesn't worry about the owner's things. They're not my things. They're his things. I'm just managing them. Right. Yes. And I, I think that's such a good point to make. And we'll come back after the break and we'll be continuing with this topic about worry. My God is a big God. He's a great God. He's a big God. Big God. He's a great God. Yeah, he's greater than the rest. Yeah, he's greater than the rest. My God is a big God. He's a great God. He's a big God. Big God. He's a great God. Yeah, he's greater than the rest. Yeah, he's greater than the rest. This is history. Well, welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Debbie Shreve, and I'm here with Jeff Shreve, the founder of From His Heart Ministries. And we are so glad that you were here listening with us and we get to share this afternoon with you. We have been talking um, earlier about this 
topic of worry. And I think if we're all honest, we can all admit that we have struggled with that at one time or another if we don't struggle with it daily. Um, But in Jeff's book, he talks about the fact, um, in his book, Runaway Emotions, he talks about the fact that at the core of the issue, when we boil it all down, worry is really a faith issue because worry and faith are just kind of polar opposites of each other. And there's a great quote by George Mueller that says this, the beginning of anxiety or worry is the end of faith and the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. And um, Jeff, I just want you to kind of expand on that a little bit and, and talk to us about just how truly opposite those things are, that those things don't really coexist and sync together, but they're opposites of each other. Yeah. So if I'm trusting God about a situation, about some pending uh, issue that that has me uh, worried and bothered, so I cast that burden on the Lord and know that he will sustain me and I leave that with him, then I'm not going to worry about that anymore because I've I've given that over to him. I've let him know, Lord, this has been bothering me. And uh, now I, I put it on the altar. I lay it at your feet and I'm going to trust you with it. So if I continue to worry, that just shows that I really haven't cast that burden at his feet. Or if I did, I didn't leave it there very long because I took the burden back. And that's why I'm feeling the weight of it. And that's why I'm worried and bothered about it. You know, uh, somebody has once said that worry is practical atheism. Now, we know what atheism is. Atheism is saying, I don't believe there's a God. No Christian would be accused of being an atheist. Uh, we We know there is a God, but many Christians are guilty of practical atheism. Practical atheism is living as if there is no God. You are conducting your life as if God is not uh, there to take care of your problems. And so that's why you have to worry and stress about this pending issue because there is no uh, there is no God for you to go to who loves you, who cares for you, who will provide for you, who will take care of you. That's why Jesus said, "Look at the birds. They don't toil. They don't uh, they don't worry." They work, but they don't worry because they know that their heavenly father will feed them. And we can rest in that fact. We have a God who loves us. Uh, As Jesus said, um, look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, neither do they reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And the answer is, of course, Jesus shed his blood for us. We're we're worth uh, infinitely more than the birds. And if our heavenly father takes care of the birds, how much more will he take care of us? Well, I love that one thing that you said, and I think uh, that's so important to just kind of underscore in our minds is that we need to acknowledge that worry before the Lord. So he's aware that we have it. It's not hidden. It's not a secret from him. And that's the first thing that we need to do with it. And and instead of just continuing to dwell on it, we need to immediately bring it to him, acknowledge that we have it, acknowledge that it's wrong to have it, and just tell him, sorry, but please help me. I need desperately your help in this area because I'm so, like Martha, I'm so worried and bothered about these things. Lord, help me. Right. Romans 14, 23 says this, whatever is not of faith is sin. Now, worry is not of faith because when I'm 
when I'm operating in faith, when I'm trusting God, I'm not worried. I just know he's going to take care of it and he's going to take care of me. But when I'm worried, then I'm not trusting God. I'm not responding in faith. And whatever is not of faith is sin. I had a lady get so mad at me one time when she read this book and she wrote a a critique on this chapter. And she said, it was basically something like, well, how dare he say that I am sinning if I worry? It's like, well, I didn't say that. God did. Um, Doesn't matter what I say. It matters what God says. And so God says, hey, you need to trust me. So we recognize that as, man, if I'm worried and bothered about so many things, I desperately need to come before the Lord, confess that as sin, and cast my burden on him and just trust him to take care of me. Don't you think that um, as a people, so many of us have just gotten used to living that way? We've gotten so used to just living with worry right? that that we have almost become spiritually anesthetized <laughs> to the fact that we are, in fact, worrying Right. Yeah. We never think about it. It's just like, oh, that's just so normal. That's no big deal. But here's uh, something I bring out in the in the book. What does worry say to God? It says some terrible things to God. Number one, it says, God, you must not be aware of my situation. Well, God is aware of everything. He knows the end from the beginning. So to to tell God, you don't know what's going on. You don't know how bad it is. Well, that's a slap in God's face. Secondly, worry says to God, um, well, if you know about my situation, then I guess you just don't care about my situation. Can you imagine saying to the Lord, Lord, don't you care? You know, Peter said that to the Lord in Mark chapter four, when they were in a bad storm and Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat and they woke him up. And it doesn't say it was Peter, but he was the spokesman for the group. So it probably was Peter and uh, says, Lord, do you not care that we are perishing? Don't you even care about us? Worry says, Lord, don't you care about me? And then worry says, thirdly, uh, I don't think you're able in this situation. Uh, God, things have gotten outside of your control. So I have to take this burden on. I have to worry about this because obviously you don't have the ability to handle this. Well, that's a that's a crazy thing to say to God. Right. He's able to handle anything. And so we don't um, we don't think through what does what does worry say? And what is going on in my heart and why am I so reluctant to just trust God to take care of me and to take care of it? You know, Oswald Chambers had a quote that says, all worry is caused by calculating without God, without putting him into the equation. And I think that's so true just by what you were saying, because, I mean, God is more than able. The Bible tells us in Ephesians that he's, you know, exceedingly abundantly able. It tells us in Jeremiah that is anything too difficult for me? And the answer to that is no, nothing is too difficult for him. But what do you think in terms of just uh, worry being caused by, uh, you know, that anticipated loss of something that we possess? Talk a minute about what we need to do. How do we need to view those things that we feel we possess? Right. Well, here's the here's the thing we said at the at the fir- in the first segment. You don't possess anything. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains. We are simply stewards. We're managers of everything that God allows us to to manage for him. But everything belongs to God. Your health is in God's hands ultimately. He's the giver of life. If God doesn't want you to have life, uh you you'd be dead 
uh, immediately because God is the one who gives life. God gives you children. God gives you the ability to uh, earn wealth. God, everything comes from God. And so it doesn't really belong to us. Uh, it belongs to God, but we manage it. Now, I use a, an illustration of the company car. Oh, the company I, car. A company car. I, when I was working in sales, I had a company car. And a company car is a wonderful thing uh, because you don't own it, but you get to use it. And the company pays for everything. They pay for all the maintenance. They pay for new tires. They pay for car washes. They gas. pay for all the gas. Uh, it's great. And so when I would take the company car in for uh, for service, just to change the oil and they'd say, Hey, your air filter looks dirty. Uh, do you want to get a new one? It's like, of course, of course the company wants to do that. Um, you know, the company wants to have a good air filter where your tires are getting a little worn. Should we get new ones? You betcha. <laughs> the company wants me to have good tires. Now, if it's my car, that I'm taking in, I'm really concerned about, I don't know if I want to spend $20 on an air filter. Yeah, uh, let's just I, rotate the tires. Yeah, we can rotate the tires. We can do something. Let's get more mileage out of these. Um, it's a totally different experience when it's your car versus a company car. Well, here's the thing. In life, newsflash, everything in your life is a company car. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. He is the company. He owns everything. So I don't have to worry about anything. I just have to do my best with what he has given me to manage. Well, um, I just want to interject real quick in this third segment that's going to be coming up. We are going to be taking calls. So I wanted to just give you that number real quick um, before we continue on. But that number to call is one 589 8840. Again, that's 1-888-589-8840. So Jeff, in terms of just um, being able to give ownership of all you possess to the Lord, um, in your book, you talk about the fact that the, the way that we are able to do that in and of our flesh, we are just not able to do that. And so we have to seek first God in our lives. It's seeking him that enables us to be able to put things in the right order, to keep our priorities straight and to keep leaning on him and not leaning on our own understanding. So talk to us just briefly about the importance of that, of just really making sure that before everything else, we're seeking after the Lord. Yeah, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, the things that we worry about will be added to you. Now, Jesus begins this discussion in Matthew 6 saying, no one can serve two masters. How do you know if you're serving the God of money or another master as opposed to the true master? The way you can tell is you're worried and bothered about many things because when you're really seeking the Lord first and when you're serving him, you're not worried. He's the Prince of Peace. And when you are yielded to the Prince of Peace, one of the great benefits and byproducts of that is peace. There's peace in your heart. Now, that doesn't mean the problems go away. It just means you have peace. You know that God is over this and God is going to uh, use this for good in your life. And nothing gets to you that doesn't first filter through his fingers of love. And he has promised that he will take care of you. 
uh, and my God, Philippians 4.19, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So whatever you need, he says, I will take care of that for you. If you will seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, put me first, enthrone me as king, put yourself at my feet as Mary did, the difference between Mary and Martha, as Mary did, and you'll have peace in your life. Doesn't mean you're not going to have struggles and trials and problems because the world is filled with that, but it means you'll have peace in the midst of those struggles and trials. I think an important thing to remember too is that God is a daily provider. And so we have to come to him daily seeking him first. It's not a one and done situation. Right. It's a it's a daily thing, a discipline that we need to develop in our lives to come to him first every day. Give him our day, surrender our plans, surrender our thoughts, surrender our words, surrender everything about it to him and to his lordship and trust him to lead us and to guide us. And I, I think that daily thing, especially in the culture in which we are currently in, is so significant because if we look around us, oh, we're just going to be terrified. <laughs> when, you, when you see the things that are going on in Afghanistan, when you see all the things going on in our country with COVID and all these other different issues, man, if you get your eyes off the Lord and you're not looking up at him, you talk about worry infiltrating and digging its teeth and embedding its teeth into you. Boy, it's right crouching at the door ready to do that. And so it's so important that we daily come before him. And on those days when you're struggling with your thoughts, we need to come hourly before him and seek his face and seek him to alleviate those things and to bring to our minds that he is our dread champion and he wins. He wins. And so we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in doubt. We don't have to live in anxiety and just angst waiting for that next shoe to drop all the time. We don't have to live like that. That's not the abundant life Christ came to bring. No. So you talked about the dread champion there. Jeremiah 20 verse 11. That's what Jeremiah said. But the Lord is with me like a dread champion. What was that verse against? Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 11. Such a great verse. So your dread champion has said, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. And I'll be with you through every storm, through every difficulty, through every problem. And I will provide for your needs. He is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. And so there's no reason for us to be afraid. Now, one thing that helped me a lot, uh, you know, when when I was a younger guy, I started to lose my hair. Actually, I was 20 years old when I noticed I was losing my hair. The hardest part of losing your hair as a man is the losing part. But once your hair is lost, once it's gone, then you don't you're not concerned about it. Because it's in the past. Well, yeah, yeah and it's, it's not there just, anymore. Yeah, it's so, not there. So I was all the time looking in the mirror, trying to comb it different ways. Oh, maybe oh, it's getting thicker, putting stuff on it. Um, but then finally, I just said, you know what? My hair is gone. I'm just going to shave my head. And when I shaved my, shaved my head, I never thought twice about it anymore. I look the same every single day. At 3 a.m., that's how you look, right. just like that. I never have a bad hair day. It's just always looks like this. And so once you lose everything to the Lord, then you don't worry about those things. Right. It's the trying to hold on. Control. Right. That, that causes you angst. But if, if you'll lose everything over to the Lord, 
you'll experience tremendous peace knowing that he will take care of it. Hey, we're going to take your call after the break. 888-589-8840. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the broadcast. Pastor Jeff here with my wife, Debbie. We're filling in for Will and Miki this week. We've been talking about the negative emotion of worry. What does God want us to do with the worries that we experience in our lives and we hold in our hearts? Obviously, God wants us to walk by faith and not by sight. He does not want me, un, want us to be worried and bothered. He wants us to enjoy him and trust him and just know that he's going to see us through no matter what we face in life. We are taking your calls in this segment, one 589 that's 1-888-589-8840. And we would love to talk to you, to hear from you, and to answer any questions you may have. You know, one of the questions that uh, Debbie brought up at the break is, well, what about the people that say, well, I'm not worried, I'm just concerned? Um, well, because might- there's a fine line there, right? right? I mean, because uh, we're walking this life and we have things that come across our path, but that bring concern to our hearts, you know? And so when does that concern cross over into worry, which God doesn't want us to do? Right. Well, I think most of us are are concerned about our country. Uh, We're concerned for the people in Afghanistan who are in a very dangerous place. We were concerned and are concerned for the people in Louisiana and the New Orleans area and other places that are getting hammered by uh, Hurricane Ida. We have a, a, a care and a concern for them. I think that is good to care and concern. Obviously, it's good. But when you start to worry about that, when you can't get it off your mind, you know, I think it's important when we have something that is a burden on our hearts, that's not necessarily a worry. That's something God's put on your heart. He wants you to pray that through. And and I have a burden for person X. I have a burden for this community. I have a burden for this situation. We pray about it and we get down on our knees and we cast that burden on the Lord and we say, Lord, this is weighing heavy on my heart. And I, I just know you want to do something great here. And we just keep bombarding the throne of grace. Well, I think too, that word burden, that's a that's a such a very good descriptor of what that concern can look like. Because I think most of us who or have been here for any length of time, we have had different situations take place in our lives that have caused us to feel weighted down and to feel burdened. And it's it's when we seek to solve those and answer those burdens in our own strength, that's when the worry takes over. When we take that burden to the Lord and we acknowledge it to Him, 
he takes care of it and he lifts that burden and that heavy weight off of us. And we've talked about this before that when you're in the midst of a rough situation, you may be having to 10 times, 15 times an hour, take that burden to him because it just keeps coming back on you. You, you realize that, Hey, I haven't truly just turned that over. I haven't let that go. And um, that God's faithful to continue to just have open arms to accept you to come before him and say, Hey, I laid this down, but I didn't even realize I'd picked it back up again. And I, up oh, here I am again. I'm back, God, because I picked it up again. Oops, right. here I am again. I picked it up again. Um, but the more that we do that, the more that we pick it up and we take it and we leave it at his feet, the more we do that, the more likely we are to be able to leave it there. Um, and I was thinking like for me personally, I'm, I don't, struggle hugely with worry. I, that's, I have my vices, goodness, but that's not necessarily one that I struggle with. But at the time that I have struggled with worry, for me personally, it always seems to hit the worst in the midnight hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we're, when we've gone to bed, we've had a full day, we've gone to bed, we've, we've said goodnight to each other. We've, we've had that first little bit of sleep and maybe I'm awakened at one thirty or two and then boom, there it all is. And I'm in my own little world because you're sound asleep, snoring, drooling on your pillow over there. And here I am with this, with this concern. And, um, I think so often that's when the enemy launches, so many of his attacks are in the midnight hours. So what would you say to people who are like me struggle with that? What, what would you say to them? Like, man, this is, this is what I do. Well, I think, uh, I think it's important to hide God's word in your heart. And so when you do wake up in the middle of the night and the devil really seems to come in and, and fill your heart with uh, what if this happens, what if that happens? And there are fears there is to be able to combat that with the word and say, uh, when I'm afraid, Psalm 56, verse 3, when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I've put my trust, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and discipline. And so you're able to combat those things with the the truth of Scripture. Um, I'm a big proponent of of memorizing blocks of scripture. So you, you can, are Mr. Bible. This is true. <laughs> so you can keep it in, in context. And uh, so lots of times when I go to sleep at night, I'll just review uh, verses that I've read and in passages that I've memorized and, and just go through those in my mind and just meditate on God's word. And uh, that seems to drive all those fears and doubts and worries away. Well, now that's nice if you're Mr. Bible and you truly have all these verses memorized. I am not that way. Um, now, I, I I know my Bible. I don't have it memorized to the same level that you do. And so I know for me personally, oftentimes I keep my iPad by the bed and I can pull out that iPad in the middle of the night and go to that Bible app and I can read verses that way. Um, and, and it is that just the mention of the name Jesus and the enemy has to flee. And so it's so important that that that's what we do, that that's what we lean on. And I was just thinking back as you were talking, our um, youngest daughter had um, brain surgery five years ago, I believe. And we knew that she had to have the surgery. We knew that we knew that it was not an option that for her to be able to function in life, she was going to have to have this surgery. And I remember the concern over that and the burden of that 
crossing over into the worry when I started trying to project too far in the future. What if something goes wrong with this surgery? What if, what if this happened? It's those what ifs uh, that can really just get you. And um, God doesn't want us to live in what ifs. That's just not his design for us is to live in those what if moments. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can play the what if game and then, you know, what if a meteor drops on my head? Uh, probably not going to happen. But, uh, you know, with, with COVID, I, I told our church early on with this COVID thing, I said, okay, I'm not going to live in worry and fear over COVID. So what happens if, if I get COVID? Well, I could get COVID. And if I get COVID, I get sick. And if I, I could get really sick, well, I could possibly die. Well, if I die, I go to heaven. Um, you know, and if I get very sick, the Lord is going to be there with me. He's not going to leave me. He's not going to forsake me. And uh, nothing is going to come into my life that doesn't first filter through God's fingers of love. So I can just know uh, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So if I'm walking uprightly with the Lord, then I can just know, hey, if it's a good thing, God's going to give it to me. And sometimes good things come in strange packages. Joseph was sold into slavery in Egypt. That's a bad thing. And then Joseph is lied about by Potiphar's wife and he ends up in prison. That's a bad thing. And then Joseph is forgotten by the butler, Pharaoh's butler. That's a bad thing. But then Pharaoh has a dream and he calls up Joseph and Joseph in one day goes from the prison to the palace and becomes the number two man in all of Egypt. Well, God was setting the stage. So he uses all the bad things to produce something wonderful. He works all things together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And Joseph, at the end of Genesis, Genesis 50, verse 20, told his brothers, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. And so remember that as a believer, as you walk with God, as you love God, as you serve God, he is working all things together for your good. Well, we'd love to take your call in the time remaining. The number is 1-888-589-8840. That's 1-888-589-8840. We're talking about the issue of worry and how to conquer worry by trusting in the Lord, giving everything over to him and seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness and letting the Prince of Peace uh, flood your soul with his peace and his presence every single day. And I think it's it's acknowledging God's presence is so important um, because so often um, we can feel like our prayers are hitting the ceiling and they're not going anywhere. And so often we don't necessarily sense his presence. We we have all had times where he, we have experienced his manifest presence in such a powerful way that we just know that he is right there. But what about those times when we don't sense that manifest presence? That doesn't mean that he's left. And we need to make sure that we keep reminding ourselves of that because the enemy wants to come in and steal. He wants to kill. He wants to destroy. He wants to sink his teeth to, into us and shake us around just like the dog does with that shoe. And um, if we're not careful, we let him do that to us. We let him shake us around. Right. And so that's why it's so important that we keep coming before him and that we keep seeking after him and that we don't lean on our own understanding and we don't lean on our own emotions and how we feel. Because if we lean into that worry, 
that leads us to fear. It leads us to despair. It leads us to all kinds of, of negative things that take us far away, even further away from the faith that we want to have. Right. Well, we have to remember too, that we don't, we don't walk by feelings. Right. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith and faith is rooted in fact and in the truth of God's word and the truth of who Jesus is. And so we can rest in that. We have Samantha from Texas. Samantha, go ahead. You're on the broadcast. Yes. Hi. Thank you so much for your show today. Thank you. Um, it was uh, totally eye-opening for me. And I guess my question for y'all is recently with everything on the news and kind of mainly from social media, I've been hearing people, you know, post about like, you know, just prepare for this, prepare for the worst, but be ready for the best. And so I haven't recently been kind of dealing with anxiety and just a lot of worry about like what could possibly happen in the world or in the United States right now. So I've been like buying things and just kind of making sure that my family is set, but I've been super, super anxious. And I don't know, is this like, something demonic that's going on? Like, is this an attack or is this something that I should just deal with? Or I don't, I don't know how to deal with it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think when you look around at the world, we do have valid concerns. I I would say that a lot of concerns are valid. Yes. You just can't focus on those. And, Mm -hmm. and just to be honest with you, Samantha, I mean, sometimes you can get to a place where you need some help um, you, you're kind of down in a hole. Uh, depressed people can get like this. And, you know, it's like just telling them to trust God. Well, that, that's like telling them to bench press a, a, you know, a VW bus. They just can't do it. Uh, they're just not in a good place there. And so uh, sometimes it's going to the doctor and finding out, is there something chemically off with me that's causing me to, to struggle in this area? Um, I'm not saying there is, but sometimes I think we should go and and check that out. And then it really just boils down to, okay, I need to keep bringing all these fears to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm dealing with all this and I don't know what to do with all this. But as King Jehoshaphat said, but my eyes are on you and I am believing you. And I think too, there's a difference between rational concerns and irrational concerns. So we can have rational concerns about, um, the safety of our kids. We don't want our kids sticking a fork into an electrical outlet, right? I mean, that's a rational concern. But when you find your thought processes going to the irrational, that's when you know you're leaning on your own understanding and that that faith has has departed from you. Samantha, I hope that helped and thank you for your call. Kathy, we have next Kathy from North Carolina. Um, Kathy, we welcome you to the broadcast. Okay. Yeah, go ahead, Kathy. Yes. Yes, go ahead. Um, I was saying that um, I thought about going, and my brothers told me at least it had to be documented, you know, what had happened in case something else happened. And uh, she's had something against me, and I I don't know what it is. I mean, she brought some off-the-wall mess up, and I, I just don't know. And I've helped her uh, when her she and her husband divorced. And uh, she wasn't working. I paid her mortgage, six hundred and thirty-two twenty-five for uh, three years, along with a bunch of other stuff. And uh, she tells everybody, even the week before this happened, if it wasn't for my mama, I don't know what I'd do. And then she, okay. you know, then they do this. And, well, you know, and I don't know, every time she sees me, she looks like she can cut my head off. 
Yeah, that's not good. Um, well, Kathy, we'll pray for you that God would just bring peace and would give you wisdom. And uh, the Lord loves you and he wants to take the bad things and turn them for good. Well, we have been uh, talking about the negative emotion of worry today. And let me just encourage you. Listen, we all deal with, uh, with worries. We all struggle with those things. And uh, God wants us to bring those burdens to him and trust him regardless of what's going on. And just know that your God is greater. Your God is bigger. Your God is stronger than any issue that you face. And there's nothing too difficult for him. So trust him and live for him and let his peace flood your life. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. We'll be with you tomorrow. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association 